0: This is Conversations with Corliss, the podcast that features real and inspiring people who are leading their lives with purpose, passion, and confidence. Through their stories, advice, and expertise, you will be empowered with tools and insights to become the leader you are meant to be. Your host, Corliss, is a Dare to Lead trained, certified success principles coach, best selling author, and inspirational speaker. As an entrepreneur for more than two decades, she has coached, trained, and mentored thousands to tap into their personal power and realize their potential. Through her company Corliss Co., she will help you dream again and break through what holds you back from leading the life you want to have. Connect with her today at corliss.ca.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here, we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it, my name is Corliss and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. With my kids more independent, my career not as fulfilling as it once was, I found myself wondering if this was it and what was next for me. I went looking for answers to recreate my life and I found them in having meaningful conversations with inspiring people. That's what we'll do here for you. Whatever you're looking for, I'm glad you're here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This is episode 044, Change Your Someday to Today with Trevor Muir. Brene Brown said, who you are is how you lead. I believe this and this interview is the ultimate example of that philosophy. If you're listening to this episode, you likely know that podcasting has become one of my favorite things to do. Conversations with Corliss was created out of my deep desire to make an impact and help as many people as I can. In the beginning, when I envisioned the whole project, I just wanted to create a space for people to share their wisdom, life lessons, experiences, and stories so that we could learn and grow together. That has happened. But what surprised me is how much I love having these conversations. I've met the most amazing people and having the chance to talk with them, learn what them and share it with you has made this much more meaningful than I anticipated. Thank you so much for listening. Today's conversation caught me a little off guard. You do not want to miss a minute of this episode. Make sure you listen right to the end. Within this conversation, we talk about living and leading your life and career with a defined set of values. We discuss the power of vulnerability and having the courage to go outside the norm. Trevor demonstrates humility and caring and why putting people first is always a good decision. You will be inspired to change your someday to today, to follow your dreams, define what's important to you and to live for the moment. I am sincerely excited to bring this conversation to you. Trevor Muir grew up in Elmworth, Alberta, a small farming community in northern Alberta. There, he learned the value of hard work, respect, kindness, and caring for others. As a 27-year veteran in the oil and gas industry, he began as a journeyman mechanic and now has extensive experience in the instrumentation, electrical, and mechanical fields. Trevor joined SharePoint Group in 2003 as a co-owner and project manager and progressed through multiple leadership roles. He was named Chief Executive Officer in twenty thirteen and is responsible for the strategic direction and operational oversight of the company. Trevor believes that authenticity and vulnerability are truly strengths, and that caring is a competitive advantage. With that, SurePoint has built on the foundational core value of We Care, and he always strives to make decisions based on that. Trevor also recognizes and applauds the significant value a diverse and inclusive work environment brings. This includes creating space that provides gender equality in the energy industry. As a CEO, he sees an opportunity to be an advocate and ally for women in trades and business. He shares, I recognize that as a leader, I not only have an opportunity, but also a responsibility and obligation to help make a positive difference in SharePoint, our communities, and the world. Welcome to the show, Trevor. I'm really excited that you're here. Thanks for taking the time to join us today.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm going to enjoy this. It's been so awesome to get to know you.
1: Yes, it has. So Trevor and I have actually only shared one conversation prior to this recording, and we could have talked for hours. And I was so fascinated by his story that I reached out to him and asked him if we could continue the conversation and I could share his story with all of you. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, but also tell everybody a little bit of your backstory of where you kind of come from and where you're at now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I, I recognize we only chatted there the one time, but man, I sure felt like I I have known you for a lot longer than that, Corliss, and I—I uh, I was fascinated by you as well. Um, I, I grew up at—I uh, grew up in a small farming community in northern Alberta called Elmworth and I, I think I told you kindergarten to grade nine. There was one time only in the history over a hundred kids in the whole school, and so, you know, I grew up very small community. Um, you really learned a lot about, uh, you know, about hard work and and uh, and values around respect, and you were there for your neighbors and you know uh it was it was just a, a great way to grow up uh, fairly remote and i had uh, i had big aspirations one day of going to west edmonton mall and the hockey hall of fame and buying a new quad and that was kind of my bucket list things and 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 things in my life turned out extremely well um and i often say they turned out really well in spite of my best decisions uh i i uh, i ended up growing up and becoming uh a, a a partner in sharepoint group when we were 10 10 people, 10 owners each, all all on 10% and had aspirations of one day becoming 40 people and our company exploded on us to uh, to 400 people, actually, I think is what we peaked out at about six or seven years, seven years later, uh, eight years, I guess.
1: Wow. So you had shared with me in an earlier conversation that it was actually a group of you that had decided like a couple of farm kids, a bunch of farm kids that kind of decided to venture into, you know, the oil field, I think. Uh, do you want to kind of tell us a little more about that?
0: Yeah, so I I got into a trade, it was pretty, you know, it was pretty natural to go, uh, to go into some sort of a trade. My dad was an electrician and, and uh, had, you know, done well with his career and been a bit entrepreneurial as well and then so I, I got into it and when we came together uh you know we're in our 30s most of us there was a fellow named cordell who who had more experience in us was you know more mature and had started some businesses before and he invited us to come and be a part of surepoint and and so we you know we came together really uh all from the same area most of us had been friends uh you know for years and knowing each other and, you know, we're, we're told it would be a recipe for disaster and, you know, certainly had our challenges when you're, you're working that closely with friends, uh, and whatnot. But at the end of the day, that's how we started your and And we just really came together and said, let's start a company and let's take away some of the, some of the stuff that we didn't like about other companies. You know, we all had really good jobs at places that were, were great with good people, but we're like, let's just make it about the people. Let's just go and do the work. And, uh and, and just service the hell out of our clients and, and let's have some fun. And, and, uh, it, it exploded on us. We're right, right place, right time. Um, and just created a culture that was amazing. So we, you know, we'd hire some people or add add some folks to our team and uh, with the intention that they would help us because we had too much work and they inevitably would bring more work. And so it just, you know, it just kind of snowballed on us. And I wouldn't say we ever had a good strategy. It was, let's just have some fun, go to work and, uh, and try and look after each other.
1: Well, I think that that's kind of a really neat culture actually for a business. Do you want to talk with us about the values that guide you?
0: Yeah. So, you know, we, we started off, we didn't actually set any values. We we, was more around what I, what I had just said. We were like, just come together. We didn't know about values and, and, and mission statements and stuff, you know, our, our business acumen was low. And so we saw this massive growth and and it was a lot of fun until it wasn't, honestly. And we hit a point back. Uh, we sold to a private equity group out of the U.S. in 2008, and we sold 60% of our company, and we retained retained the other 40%. And things actually started to started to disintegrate on us uh, at that point, um, unfortunately. And so at a time where you know we should have been celebrating successes because we were having growth and revenue was going up our culture was starting to disintegrate and, and actually we ended up in a lot of financial trouble later on 2011 to 2013 became, became really tough for us. And, and, and really, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't know a lot about the business processes and structure that we needed to run a company that had gone to over $90 million and, and we were 4 million when we started and so from 2003 to 2000. Uh, 12 we we went from four to no, over 90 and we didn't know how to manage that to be honest with you Corliss and and so in 2013 uh, the board decided to make a change to the to the CEO position and they offered me the the role and I was I was I, I turned it down to start with uh, our, our culture had disintegrated to a point that I was actually going to leave as well and uh, and so they called me up and said they'd like me to step into this position and I said, no, I said, I, you know, it's too far gone. I kind of felt, and I came back. I was in Australia on a business trip at the time when they called me and I came back and talked to my wife and told her, Hey, I was offered the CEO role. And she was like, don't take it. Yeah, I'm never going to see you. This is going to absorb every, like it's going to take, take over everything, uh, Trev. And, and I said, well, it's fine. I turned it down already. And about two days later, she said to me, how are you going to feel if you, if you don't? And I said, Honestly, like uh, I talked a lot of people into coming to work at SurePoint because I told them it would be different and that we were a different company and we and we were and I was authentic about that. And, and then it then it had changed so much that we weren't. And I said, you know, Renee, I'll be able to sit, sit on the couch for a while, like things have turned out well, you know, in, in my life that way. But these people can't. And uh, I'll feel like I abandoning them. And she said, well, why don't you take it then and try it? And so uh, so, you know, I did. Um, and, and I, I didn't know much about business, to be honest with you, like as an instrument mechanic, I'd grown a division uh, here, here in Nisku that, that became one of the largest divisions in the company. I knew how to get clients and knew how to, you know, be a part of the team, but I didn't know about covenants and financial agreements and banking relationships and working capital and all the things that, you know, somebody who would move into a role like I was going into would probably need to know. And, but one thing I did know is that when our company was super successful, um, everybody cared about everybody, and uh, and I was just looking for a way to quickly bring the team together, like get our culture back. and And so I got uh, asked to go out and meet with the bank in Toronto. So I so I flew out there, I bought a suit, and f- flew out there and met with the VP and told him, like, we're in financial trouble, I know that, but, you know, we got a plan, and we're all going to stick together, and we'll get through it. And he said, Oh, yeah, no problem. Like, thank you. You know, we have a lot of faith, you're an owner, you started the company, that's great, we're going to support you. And literally, uh, four weeks, three, four weeks after that, uh, I got a letter, uh, an email (laughs) that had a letter of forbearance attached to it. And, and I didn't know what forbearance was. Um, so, you know, and I've been honest about that. That's how little acumen I had and forbearance ended up being a bad, bad thing or potentially bad thing. So I said, I learned two things that day. I learned what forbearance was and I learned that that banker had lied to me. They were definitely not going to support us <laughs> and uh, and and they gave us three and a half or four months to either inject a bunch of money, which was not going to happen or or find a new uh, a new bank banking partner. And. You know, I was stressed to death. Like, I'm like, this, like, we're in so much trouble now. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm the new CEO. I'm over my head. Um, And I woke up at, on a Tuesday, I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday at 2 in the morning. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm looking at this all wrong. This is the best thing that could have ever happened to us. Like, we rally around crisis. SharePoint people are the best at rallying around crisis. This is is the thing. And I started to say, we just got the gift of forbearance. Mm And I literally jumped in my truck the next day, and I went to every branch. I went and saw every person that I could see. I went to their houses. I went and had coffee with them in their towns. I went out to job sites, and I just told everyone basically this story: like, hey, most of you know me, and and I'm way over my head here. I just became the CEO. Um, you know, honestly, I apologize. To everybody for allowing being a part of, of the leadership group and allowing the culture to get as bad as it was and said, like, you know, I'm I'm sorry and uh and we want to make it right. And and then I said, here's our reality. We're in a lot of trouble financially. We're in forbearance. I don't know exactly how to explain that because I don't know what it means myself entirely, other than it's bad. And we've got four months to kind of get things sorted out. I'm letting you all know so that, you know, if you choose to leave right now, it's busy in the economy. I, I understand. But I'm going to stay, and and if and if you stay, if you all stay, and we band together, we can get through this, and we can create something better than we ever had. And thankfully, basically everybody stayed.
1: Wow, so many good things in what you said. So, what is forbearance? <laughs> I don't
0: actually know. My uh, so, listeners
1: probably don't.
0: <laughs> okay, so yeah, so for, forbearance is uh, is your your offside on your covenants with your banking. Uh, your debt to equity ratio and some other things is offside and it means you're not making enough money to service the debt anymore and basically when that happens they give you a short period of time to either fix it or or inject more money or find a new banking partner or they foreclose if you can't do any of of those things so it's it's sort of they put you on notice that the next steps are foreclosure and and uh, we certainly were close to that at the time.
1: Wow, scary times! You know, I think so many of us that are listening, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners or business owners here listening. And I think a lot of times when we're leading people, we find ourselves kind of feeling like a fish out of water. It's like, what am I going to do? And what I hear you did was basically saw the opportunity and the obstacle.
0: Yeah, you know, I it was I was I was fortunate. I'd suffered some in my life prior to becoming the CEO, and. And so I was forced into a position in my life where I needed to start being honest about things, about how I was feeling mostly, and what was going on in my head, in spite of all of the things that were happening positive in my life. And that experience actually I was able to see that, you know, when if if I was if I was willing to be vulnerable enough um, and take the risk to go and tell everyone the truth, then there was a good opportunity that we would get the help that we needed to get through it, and and really made it about us and. And the team and so so i took an approach that was was maybe different than what the book would tell and so i also had the advantage Carlos, of not having an nba and i probably didn't know the right steps to take from from the book um i just went off of what i felt and what what i knew had made us successful in the beginning and and i just i just was able to more go with my gut and realized hey if i go and tell everyone the truth and they're willing to help we have a we have a real good shot at getting through this and if they aren't then, it, then at least we know and, and so we took it a step further and and i invited our vendors in to talk to us and i was told do not tell your vendors what you're going through like well we can't pay them and so i would rather let them know we need their support and and our our vendors stepped up as soon as we told them our reality went to our some of our key clients and said hey you know we're having some issues and you know can can you quick pay us on a few invoices and can you help us out and they helped and we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. And and I do believe that it made us stronger and and brought us together. And because of the forbearance and what we did there, it positioned us really well for the downturn that came in 2015. Um, you know, we were positioned for it unintentionally, well positioned to get through that period of time because of the forbearance. So yeah, uh, oftentimes in the worst times in my life, uh, I've I've seen that that's given me the very best opportunity you know, to move forward into the future. Doesn't Mm. make it at the time, not not always, but uh, often it's the universe, you know, pushing me down the path that I don't want to go down.
1: (laughs) So much truth in what you're saying. I couldn't agree more. Mm. And you know, really, what you're describing to me is really what I I would call heart centered leadership. Like you're just being honest and real and authentic. And let's figure it out together. And that must be the team. You kind of created a team culture. With yeah that. so
0: so I ran I ran around and and uh one of the comments that uh that was said said often so people were leaving us uh you know good friends of mine folks who started with SurePoint started to quit and I was down in Isku at the time and these 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 folks and friends of mine were up in Grand Prairie, and they'd call and I, and uh, you know I remember a couple conversations they are grown men um calling me crying saying I have to leave like I'm going to take another job and good jobs and I was like no, i get it and, and you know it's a good opportunity but what like why are you leaving it, you know the, the common term was that uh, you know just doesn't feel like anyone gives a shit anymore and and so i was like you know that's that's what we're missing they used to know that we cared right and and so i was like you know we're gonna go and we are going to turn this thing into a, a company that cares and so it's started to say our number one competitive advantage is caring and if we care more then then we will win you know over and over again and not just care about our company but care about each other and care about about our families and care about the families of our clients and care about our clients as people in our communities and so we kind of started to say we care we care we care and I and I said I, I spoke uh I spoke in an event once and I said you know when we went down that road we knew there was a lot of risk and I certainly did if you say you care and you say it over and over and over again then then you better care because you just can't fake sincerity um, or, or I certainly can't. I've tried it with my wife a lot and it hasn't worked at all. <laughs> um, and, and, the, and the reality is, you know, we got called out on it and then that was good. And that's when I started to feel like we were making some headway. You know, they're like, well, you say you care, but I'd be like, no, we do care. And we want to hear about it. And we built our company around that, around that value. And when you talk about heart-centered, we certainly are a, a heart-centered uh, company and, and the things that our people do for each other and for the communities and for those who suffered, man you know someone's uncle's sister's house burnt down in nova scotia and that the, the, the SharePoint people rallied around it like it bring tears to your eyes if you knew all the things that our people do and how they rally and everybody comes together to support people in this world it's just unreal
1: well quite honestly just hearing you talk about it kind of brings tears to my eyes so yeah. I can certainly, I can certainly feel it. I think that it's about people first, is what I'm hearing over and over again. So the the we care, like the we care program that you have, or the culture that you've created, is uh, that's different than just having a mission statement. Because I know in the work with Renee Brown over the you know the course of my training with her, she talks a lot about how you know people have a mission statement, companies have a mission statement they define their values but then when you look out into the organization you can't actually see the values like you should be living them to the point that an outsider looking in would be able to see them and it certainly sounds like that's what you're doing at SharePoint
0: it it is we get lots of feedback from from vendors and clients who go into different uh, offices you know where we're situated and mix with our team and the feedback is always like holy crow it just feels so different you you know um, it's and, and we have to work hard on this and we don't we don't have it right all the time and oh man we made some mistakes and i certainly did like we made a mess of some things but the one thing that we were always good at was saying yeah okay we recognize you know when you tell us that we screwed up and and i'm honest i'm i'm trying to figure things out as i go right and so so when i'm the leader of the company and and you know i'm the one that's guiding us and got the hand on the wheel uh, sometimes we go off course and and i and i'm willing to to admit that but we do live we do live it and you know we'll get in rooms and we'll fight and we'll we'll figure some things out um, but it takes a lot of effort and so we had a you know we had developed before I became the CEO uh, you know we'd, we'd matured and we developed the mission statement and core values and they were hung on the walls but nobody knew what they were like and we never talked about them and you know we made decisions I think loosely on them but more around a balance sheet and you know I'm clear with our team all the time. We still have to make money like and if we don't, then we're not that we can't have an amazing culture and an amazing company if we don't have a company anymore. But we spend a lot of time talking about how can we minimize the, the negative effect on human beings when we have to make those tough decisions and understand that no matter why you're letting somebody go, if that's what you end up having to do, that you're affecting their life they have to you, you let somebody go because they don't fit or they made a mistake or you or you have to restructure. Those are decisions that are really tough to make. And and I, and I have let people go and I've literally, you know, didn't sleep for days before. And then I had to leave the office, go for a coffee and 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 uh, go for a cry like these are these are human beings. And I, I just encourage our leaders like understand that you let somebody go for any reason. They have to leave the building and they have to go tell somebody they love that they lost their job and there's fear and there's sadness and there's, there's a whole bunch of uh, emotions that go with that and just understand that and do it respectfully and kind. And that's, you know, that's part of our We Care culture.
1: Mm, That's really beautiful, honestly. You know, one of the things that really impressed me when we were initially talking was your response to covid oh, yeah. <laughs> would you share that
0: yeah yeah i'd be happy to I, I i think i told you this uh it will probably go down as is the proudest moment in my career um and i've got i've got so many i can tell you about uh surepoint and 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 what we've been through and what our folks have done so back when when covid kind of hit alberta here canada and there was a lot of talk around around lockdowns um we were seeing our revenue just drop off a cliff to be honest with you like projects were being delayed or cancelled POs were being cancelled um and i think we were in the same state as everybody like a lot of fear and uncertainty like we just didn't know uh you know around it is is our family going to get this and are they going to die like what's going to happen to you know the people we love and what's going to happen to each other and then what's going to happen to our business and then what's going to happen to our livelihoods and i think i think we were all in that boat and so we we had ended up in in going through the the same process that probably most companies and looking at how do we get cost out of our business fast And and our largest cost is people. And so we were like, we just got to, you know, we just got to get rid of some people and we got to cut some pay and do some tough things. And we spent about a week, week and a half going through it, uh, our our VP and our CFO and I, and we had come up with a list, to be honest with you. um, And we reviewed it on Friday and we finalized it Friday morning and we were going to start to have conversations the following Monday, Tuesday and and I just it was not sitting well with me I just was sick to my stomach and so I'd I don't know seven o'clock seven thirty at night I got a hold of hold of Cam and Kevin said uh, our CFO and our 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 uh, VP of operations and I said guys don't let anybody go next week like nobody and they're like, oh. I said yeah no no one not anyone I, I said it's not the right time I said it doesn't mean that we won't have to but look, we don't know anything about this yet about this pandemic. We don't know if it's going to be three weeks or three months or three years. We don't we don't know when we're going to go back to work. We don't know how severe this is, how bad it is. What we do know is that people are being told to stay home. They're, they can't go see their parents. They can't go out for beers with their buddies. They can't go for for dinner with their spouses. They can't that, you know, nothing's normal. I said the the kids can't swipe on Tinder and do whatever the hell they do. Like nothing is normal. And we're sending people to their houses with with fear of economics, insecurity, fear of a pandemic, dealing with something that none of us have ever dealt with before. And we're telling them to go home and stay in their house. And I said that we can't do that right now. So we're gonna message Monday that we're not gonna let anybody go right now. And it doesn't mean that we won't have to. It just means we're going to try and buy as much runway as we can for everybody and and at least even if people aren't coming to work at least they still have a purpose they can be involved in email strings we can you know we can we can keep them engaged in some way and so that was that was what we did and then we took it a step farther so you know that next week we we messaged this and we're trying to figure out how are we actually going to pull this off and and survive and we'd heard about the wage subsidy program that was Coming from the federal government, we didn't know if we'd qualify, and we didn't know what it looked like entirely. And then, and then when they rolled it out, um, we, we, you know, we got some help from the accounting firm that we work with, and we looked at it, and we're like, you know, hey, we're going to qualify. And I sat down one one day on a Sunday, and I got this idea. I thought, what happened? what what would happen if we use that program the way that I believe it's intended, and that's to keep people employed, and. And we didn't let anyone go, and we also guaranteed everybody a paycheck, as you know, as long as the program was running in, in the way that it was. And so I not got on spreadsheets, so I had a pen and paper and wrote some stuff down. And I I called Cam and hey said, hey Cam, I got this great idea. What if what if we keep everybody and we guarantee them a paycheck and he said well we already do i'm like no i mean everybody like our field staff our our apprentices and our journeymen who typically only ever get paid when they go out to work and are billable and he's like oh my god trevor that's great but we can't afford it like actually i think we can said i've I've wrote it down on a piece of paper makes total sense to me and uh you know he he was like he was like i said run it through some models and let's see and so he did and he said you know we might be able to pull this off so i went to the board for approval and they, and they loved the idea but you know same concerns like i don't think you guys can afford it we're not a company that makes a lot of money anyway we just bought the company back from that private equity group uh, that it, that we had sold to but uh, at the end of 20 december 2018 me and 20 about 20 other people in SharePoint, with the help of atv capital and a and an individual investor named tom um bought this thing back and then we get hammered by by this and now I'm going to them and saying hey let's keep everybody and let's uh and let's pay everybody a, a guarantee of paycheck and and they said if you can afford it we'll support it and I went away and Cam said Trev I don't think we can and I said well what if what if we, what if we went back to the team and we just said we can do it but everybody has to sacrifice and some some will have to sacrifice a lot so I sat with our senior leaders and and I I just said to them look no gun to your head here. But we have an idea, and and this is about the greater good. But if you can't, you can't, and and we'll make the other decision. But you know, we at that time we'd already everybody had taken a ten percent wage cut, and I said some of us are going to have to go way deeper. And, and so we came up with a plan that said nobody makes over a certain salary. And so I cut my pay by fifty percent, and then uh, our CFO cut his by thirty, and our VP's cut theirs by twenty six, and. Our branch managers cut theirs by 18 and the managers under them by 15. And that's that's how we pulled it off. And that conversation literally took 30 minutes for everybody to uh, to agree to do that. And, and you have to remember, like our VPs are in their 30s and our CFOs in their 30s. They have young kids and family and our branch managers are, uh, you know, 20s and 30s and they're raising kids and we were asking them to voluntarily give up. You know 15 to 30 percent of their pay for for six months or seven months and that's a massive they, they don't save that much of their paycheck and uh, and they all they all agreed to do it and so we were able to pull it off
1: okay such an amazing story no wonder you're so proud because mm-hmm. what i'm what i'm really hearing here is that you are living and leading by example, but also you're really living and leading your values. And that's filtering down that you care, you care about your people. Guess what? I just opened the registration for a brand new session of the Lead Your Life Masterclass. If you're looking to feel more purpose and direction in your life or need help defining goals that inspire you, I'd like to invite you to work with me through this four week program. Over the last three years, I've watched this program help like-minded women step into their personal power. It's simply incredible to see the transformation and confidence, clarity, and passion that they have found. If you're ready to have that for yourself, you should check it out now at corliss.ca. Classes are limited to only 12 because of the personal coaching and guidance that you'll receive. I'd really like to help you lead a life you love. Register now at corliss.ca.
0: Yeah. And so actually, at, you know, back to that Friday when we had the conversation, I said, we talk about we care all the time. I said, it's the it's the thing we talk about and and we'll never have a better opportunity ever to show how much we care than now. And so if there if there's ever been a time where we need to step up for the people who are part of our family, it's now. And, and that was that was actually, you know, what kind of tied it all together was that and we we specifically spoke about that on that friday night and then we've been able to communicate and message that there was some risk to it for sure right and and i you know i i said to our team i'm like we're not going to panic you're going to figure this out i said you know there's opportunities in this i said no matter what happens you guys are young what you're going to learn what you're going to learn through this um is going to set you up You'll, you'll be able to face anything one day you'll be an old guy like me and you'll be able to uh to say when something traumatic happens in the business and wherever you're at and whatever you're doing you'll be able to say oh calm down grab a coffee it's go- it's going to be okay i said but we but we have an opportunity and, and an obligation to make some decisions and try to get it right and one day this we're this is going to be in a history book one day how did we how did we as a civilization and as corporations manage through this pandemic and and it'll either be this was the way to do it or this wasn't um, and we took a lot of took a lot of risk going the the way we did, but you know with the right support and understanding that people were willing to sacrifice, and we reduced that risk and said, look, there's risk in any decision we make. Um, the you know the book of business would would tell us uh, normally cut cut costs and. From from every person I've talked to, Corliss uh, in our industry, in our sector, and and I'm great friends with some of uh, the senior leaders, all the way up to CEOs of our competitors. I've known them for 20, 30 years, and uh, and we're the only company that I know of that did this, which which you know makes makes us seem a little bit crazy, but also maybe bold, and uh, and and just had a strong faith that no matter what, the people would do what they had to at the right time. Um, to make sure that we survived but also looked after our folks
1: wow and you know i think that's the thing about leadership is it's about being brave and bold and not just going with the norm and doing what's right and that's the whole thing about values and culture and leading by example and you know for the audience like we're talking about COVID right now and you know the humbleness is very clear Uh, of what trevor really stands for but you know we're all going to be faced with crisis at different times like it's just that's life right there's going to be times where we're in personal crisis or we have things that happen that everything feels like it's falling apart and what i'm really pulling out of what you what you're saying is let's do something with that to make ourselves proud like we all have those moments in our lives where we have you know we have a choice as to how we're going to face it and what we're going to do with it and we want to make those choices from a place of strength and do something that make ourselves proud in that moment.
0: Yeah. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I, 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 t- I tell our team all the time. I was, I was full of fear. I, I, half the time I was like, I don't know the right thing to do, but, but I know, I know that, that we can get through it. We always have. So we have a playbook to go back to. It's like together we can, we can, we can get through anything. And, and, and myself and a whole bunch of other people were willing to to lay ourselves off and take no paycheck if we had to for a while to make sure that our company survived and and so when you know that you have that kind of support from from the people on the team and uh and and you know you know that no matter what everybody's going to do everything that they can you know to to fight it out to the end to be successful then then we were able to take some risks and and you know we also uh always you know we always we always look for opportunities to uh to try and challenge ourselves as well and and we're one thing we're good at is is as i said rallying around crisis but also we're really good at looking for those dark moments to find the light and say okay what what can we learn from this and how is this actually going to benefit us and and this pandemic was no different like it's been really really hard it's been hard on on all of us are you know everybody in our team has suffered in some way or another and it and it's you know it's it's such a uh, varying degree of emotional swing I often say I felt this last year, like I've been on an elevator that only goes from the 10th floor to the basement. And I said, I'd love if it would stop once at the fifth floor and I could see the view there because emotionally I've been, you know, as excited as can be and, and as, as low as a human being can be too at times and, uh, and you know, but I also, you know, have the support of the people here to help me through those times and, and uh, and you know, we're, we're just gonna keep coming together to, to, to see see what we can do to improve through this whole thing and we we've seen we've seen our morale and our culture like it's stronger and stronger and stronger which is you know really really uh uh admirable and i give so much credit to the people at surepoint for that
1: mm, i think that's a really key question that you just said there too what can we do to improve from from this i mean that's a, a question we could all be asking ourselves because growth really does come from pain I think you and I have had a conversation around this. What have been some of your biggest challenges personally, maybe that you want to share that, how did, how did they help you grow?
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I spent, uh, I'll try and keep this short, but I, I spent most of my life, um, feeling insecure and, and, and scared. And I, I guess I didn't even recognize that to be honest with you. Um, and, and I, and I. I was always a smile a guy who smiled lots. And if you ask me how I was, I was always great and good. And, you know, um I I worked hard and I I had a good family and got married and, and you know, have a son and and everything's going great in my life, but I was feeling I I was feeling worse and worse. I was feeling scared and sad and lonely. And I I always believed, well, you know, the next the next thing that happens in my life, that's when I'll be happier, you know. When I start a business, then I'll be happy, and I would be for a while, right? Buy a new house, and then I'll be happy. and And I was seeing all of these these successes, and you know, like quotation marks, right? I I was I was uh, moving forward in life, and at a time when I'd made it, you know, I, we sold our company, and I was financially comfortable. You know, I had a big fancy acreage, and and we had a horse barn and horses, and and all the stuff, the quads and the and the toys. And I said I even had a, an expensive sports car in the garage. And I was still unhappy and I was, I was dying inside to be totally honest with you. And I was like, what, what the hell is wrong with me? You know, I'm thinking this all the time. Like, what is wrong with me that I can't be so happy and I can't be, you know, I'm grateful. And I, I went, I'd read the Tony Robbins books and I'd follow Oprah and I, you know, I'd be like, what is, what is going on? But would never, ever tell anyone. And I ended up in a really tough situation. position after we sold the company, I felt like, what's next? You know, my wife had gone back to work. We sold the company, it, it, my, my son had turned 18, and I hit a really low point in my life. And nobody actually really knew it, or very few people did. Nobody knew what was going on in my head. And I woke up on a bathroom floor one one morning in a rented uh, condo because my wife and I had separated for a while. And uh, I ended up in a position where I was, I was so strongly contemplating ending my life. And it was an overwhelming feeling. And it would have shocked everybody that knew me. Um, and that day, I had a conversation with myself that was sort of like this. Like, Trev, what would you say to some, to a friend who told you they were feeling the, the way that you're feeling? If they said, you know, I'm feeling scared and lonely and sad and I don't know why, look at all the stuff I have and look at all the things I should be grateful for, you know, and li- listed all that stuff that I just listed. I'd be like, that's that stuff is real. But it doesn't, you know, that doesn't change if you're feeling that way get some help. There's some help out there. And so I actually, you know, Googled, get on my phone, I'm Googling, but you know, if I feel like this, what do I do? And, and of course, up, 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 you know, suicide helplines and, uh, and psychiatrists and psychologists. And, uh, and I, I'm like, this is how, you know, this is how messed up. I was in my head. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not going to a psychiatrist. People, if people hear about a psychiatrist, they'll think I'm crazy. You know, here I am contemplating ending my life. And I, and I am too proud and too afraid to be vulnerable to go to a psychiatrist, but it hit me. Hey, anytime in my life that I've wanted to get better at something kind of in sports is what I thought about, you know, I want to be a better hockey player. I get a coach. Oh, I can get a life coach. That's what I'll get. And so I, so I get on the, on the phone and I, and I get a, a appointment with a life coach for the next day. And I said that I wasn't fooling the universe at all. The life coach was a psychiatrist and, uh, and that person, that person saved my life because I went in and, and saw her and I sat down and she said, hey, what's going on? I'm like, oh, everything's really quite good, to be honest with you. And and, you know, I got a few things, some business stresses. My wife and I are separated. You know, I'm going through a little bit. I'm a little bit nuts up in my head. And and she's like, I don't want you to go anywhere. Like, sit here. Don't leave. And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. You know, she said, you're, you're not. I'm like, no, no, I'm I'm OK. Like, you're kind of freaking me out. She said, I. I, uh, I need to go get somebody to come and talk to you right now. She said, I don't think I can help you. And she brought in this mail and he came and had a chat with me, took me into another office. You know, he was uh, he worked with her and had a lot of experience. And he talked to me for about an hour and a half. And uh, he said, how are you really feeling? And I told him, scared, sad, lonely. Um, and even when I'm with my family, I often say that I, I feel lonelier when I'm all alone. and long and lonely or when i was in a crowd and and it was the first time in my life that i was honest and then there was help there was this there was this release um you know i felt i felt an immediately re, immediate release and then i realized i wasn't being judged i actually there was somebody out there that wanted to help me and then i and then i hit a point and got a lot more help and i had a friend who one day said to me you know what trev it's okay you know you no longer have to uh um uh, what the heck does he say, uh, suffer from terminal uniqueness. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I, you know, I use that a lot now. I'm like, that's, that's, I, I thought I was the only person who had all the stuff I had, uh, you know, including family and friends and support network and, 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 you know, money and all the stuff who felt the way I felt. And the reality is, you know, I'm just a part of the human race. I, I'm just a, I'm just a person. And, and, uh, and so I'm supposed to feel, and it's okay to tell people that I'm scared. And it's okay to tell people I'm feeling, because there's help out there. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's just so amazing! Thank you, like truly and sincerely, for being so real and so honest. I think many of the listeners are going to be like, "I felt that way." Because as you're talking, that's actually what I'm thinking. I felt that way. I had so many things going for me, and yet it just I couldn't reach that feeling of ha- happiness. So, how did you become comfortable with sharing so honestly and being vulnerable to share?
0: I'm so you. So you know that that's a good question. I uh, that experience itself helped helped me uh, you know realizing that that I felt I felt better and I wasn't super comfortable I don't I don't often run around and tell every single person that I see oh my god I you know this is what uh, this what happened and but I did see that that if I share my story because nobody had ever told me they felt that way I'd never had anybody in my life say to me oh my god I'm full of anxiety and and I and I'm just not sure why and you know i'm dealing with this thing and it's scaring me to death nobody had ever done that and i thought man you know how would i have felt if somebody would have like would that have kind of short shortened shortened the runway for me a little bit and i, and I was like I, you know i'm going to share this i'm gonna at the appropriate time right and uh, and i'm i'm just gonna start letting people know i'm a human being and i might find that 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 in itself may help some other people um, so it, it took a lot of courage like I was desperately afraid to tell people how how even after but I, I recognized later on in life through a lot of help that that day that I was on the bathroom floor I thought it was the worst time in my life like I never ever and I never want to go back there but that was the day that changed every single thing for me it was it turned out to be the best thing that has ever happened for me Corliss and that you know that sounds strange but That was the thing that changed my life and it and it put me on a totally different path. And it's and it's really the reason that I am where I am today and who I am today was because of that moment and and the more that I have when I have shared this story with some people, uh, you know, it has resonated and some people have reached out to me and and said, oh, my God, I have felt that way, too. And holy crow, you know, I'm I'm struggling with some things and I don't know, don't know why. And I just haven't told anybody. And I think if human beings just got over the fact that we're afraid, you know, we're afraid to be judged and and I've spent most of my life in fear and I don't want to do that anymore. So, so, you know, I think that's helped a lot.
1: Mm, Being vulnerable and having courage happens first. Does it get easier as you start sharing your story and telling people, obviously you don't run around and tell it, but (laughs) you're sharing and it's helping people and it's inspiring you to continue to do that. So yeah, I
0: have moments where I still feel uh, like I still feel some awkwardness or a little bit of insecurity around it. You know, I I, I have no problem talking, as you can tell, but uh, but the reality is, speaking and sharing that, that those are intimate things, right? I had I had wrote written uh, a whole bunch of poems through my experiences. And, uh, and I had very few people knew that I even wrote po- poetry. Again, that was something that I was never going to share with the world. I, I wrote a poem when I was 14 and it won a con, my teacher put it into a local contest and it, and it won a regional contest. And, you know, I'm 14 playing hockey and, and basketball and all this stuff with my buddies and, 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 and it gets out, I won this $50 gift card for winning a poetry contest. And, uh, <laughs> And, and my buddies are bugging me right it's like uh so i never wrote a poem again until my 30s or and and certainly never told anybody that i had and i i had a compilation of poems and most of them it was an outlet for me and and i ended up sharing it a couple of them at a an event that i was speaking at and they were really you know they they come from my heart and uh and a few people came to me after and asked if they could have those poems and and so long story short years later i ended up publishing a book with all of my poetry in it and that scared the hell out of me like i i hired a publisher and then they did a an editorial review on it and said yeah let you know you should do this and we encourage you to and we'll help you and then i didn't do it for another year almost until they got a hold of me and said you should share this and i was like oh and and at that point i that was yeah that was two years ago in December and at that point I too was like so afraid if I put this out to the world you know what if people don't like it? what if what if people think there's something wrong with me what if what if what if right and uh and and I got a call you know the universe always always kind of gives me a push I got a call from the first person I talked to at Tellwell Publishing and he asked how how the launch of my book went I was like oh I didn't do it he said you paid us, and and you know we're ready to go i'm like yeah i changed my mind i'm kind of busy <laughs> you know and then I, I hung up and i was like you know the only reason i'm not doing it the only reason is i'm afraid and i need to push through that and and so i i try to you know i try to live what i what i talk about being vulnerable is okay and 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 i didn't get anybody say my book was stupid and i haven't really promoted it much um but you know most people i've had people who read it who reached out to me and asked me if I'd go for a coffee with them and they said that one poem holy crow I'm feeling this right now and I was like you know this helps and then that helps me too so
1: you know. wow well from my experience I I'm just I'm chuckling to myself because I I have a story about writing my own book I wrote it I mean it took me you know, a long time to write it. And then the publisher let me know that it was ready, you know, I could start selling it, it was ready, the print run was good to go. And I I went to do a post about it to share with my audience that this book I've been working on was was ready and my son was like i think he was about 10 at the time maybe no about 11. anyway i i was standing in the kitchen my iphone was plugged into the wall i'm standing there in the kitchen and i'm writing this post up about here's my book and i went to hit post and i just couldn't do it i had like an anxiety Um. come over me that i was like oh my gosh people are gonna read my thoughts is about as intimate as it gets when I put my thoughts out there and you know, I who am I to offer advice and all these crazy things started coming into my head and my son came around the corner. And he said, Mom, what's wrong? <laughs> and I said, Well, you know, I'm a, about to tell people that they can buy my book. And he's like, looks at me with a really curious look. And he's like, Mom, you've been writing it for like a year. Didn't you think people were going to read it? <laughs>
0: Oh, the honesty i love it
1: yeah and i was like yeah that totally makes sense but i think it is like anytime that you're pushing that comfort zone and sharing from your heart and what you think i mean that fear is going to wash over you but it does get easier
0: yeah and and that's you know i can relate to what you were saying there corliss for sure and and it it does it's kind of i guess it's kind of like a muscle right you know the more you do it the more comfortable it becomes and you're like you're a lot like me and you you do things to help other people. And, and I, I, I often say, cause I get a lot of uh, recognition in, you know, in my support group and my friends and here at SharePoint, but you know, about, uh, about being kind and, you know, I always get a lot of praise for things that probably I don't even always deserve. And I say, let's make no mistake that, you know, I believe kindness is self-serving, you know, the kinder I am to people, if I'm kind to 10 people, I have 10 people be kind to me, but authentically and genuinely like you, Carlos, want to try and help people and, uh, And that's, you know, that's deep, deep within my heart and soul. And I know that it is with you too.
1: It is actually, it gives me courage it because it's about something bigger than me. It's what I call purpose, but it's always the, the why underneath it. It's like, if I'm scared, I ask myself, you know, why are you doing this? What's the purpose to this? And when I connect to something, you know, much bigger than me and making an impact and helping people, then it gives me the courage to go for it.
0: Yeah. I, and I love that, you know, I, I, uh, I love that you said it it's something bigger than yourself right bigger than me and and that i can i can relate to that and oftentimes i have to remind myself that this because i can become self absorbed too and you know stand in the mirror and think god oh, geez, you know you're pretty pretty smart these things have worked out i have to i have to remember that uh you know um things things worked out worked out in my life because because there's been so many awesome people there and and because i've been given opportunities and i've been pushed down a path um, you know, in in a direction that has forced me oftentimes to, uh, you know, to do things that I was uncomfortable with. But the reality is, uh, you know, everything that's happened in my life and everything that continues to happen to this day has has been because there's been a whole bunch of people there, you know, to support a, a direction or to support me or to support an agenda, and uh, and that's that's what I I I just. I just love talking about this stuff and the people that are in my life, um, because I've seen what, what a group of people can do together.
1: I have something kind of funny because what you're saying just reminds me of this because you've referenced the universe a few times. Clearly, you know, you believe in something bigger. And I really like that you're really honest because, I mean, by any standard, I would look at you and think, wow, what a great and successful person. Like, you've got the heart, you've got the courage, you're willing to be vulnerable, you share, you care about people. I mean, I would look at you and think, no way this guy is ever self absorbed. But I have a tendency sometimes to fall into that too, where I start. You know, getting so centered on what I'm doing that I lose sight of the big picture and I have to constantly remind myself and there's this funny little meme that's floating around. And it has an image of two people rock climbing. So there's, you know, someone right almost at the top and then someone right below them and they grab onto the back of their pants and it ends up making their bum, you know, uh, <laughs> shows their bum.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: like, yeah, the the universe keeping me humble. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: can, you, can you share that with me? I, would, yeah, I, would, I will. I would love that. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: like, oh, I'm almost there. And then it's like, yeah, the universe is gonna keep you humble and it's, you know, something pulling you back and there's yeah. your bare butt hanging out. So. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, love, I
1: love that, that's so
0: funny. Yeah, I,
1: that, I, that, that I, visual comes back to me often.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm fortunate that I have people in my life who will be extremely honest with me uh, and I I always used to tell the team here, you know, I I'm, I don't always like what you say, but I like that you say it. You know, sometimes the things you tell me hurt my feelings, but but that's okay. Um I I still want to hear it and and more often than not those are the things that I really need to hear. And and my, and my wife and family is really good at keeping me in me in check and uh, helping me make sure my ego doesn't get too far away on me normally. So, I uh I have, yeah, I have some help in that area. Too.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, the universe might be called your wife at any given time.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I have some help uh, bearing my <laughs> once in a while. For yeah, sure.
1: that's great. So I had three closing questions that I always ask my guests, but is there anything else that you really wanted to share that you feel the audience, you know, would need to hear today?
0: Yeah, you know what? I, I would actually, um, and it, it just kind of came to me. So so back uh, a few years back, um. I, I was out hiking with a good friend of mine and he's actually our VP of Business Development here at, at SharePoint, uh, or Sales and Marketing, I'll get it right. Uh, and, and a good friend of mine and I was down in Calgary and we were gonna go for a run and throw a football around at Princess Island Park. And uh, we we got there and I'll keep this really brief. He he started complaining of a headache and he's a guy, great shape, never gets sick, you know, thir- 36 I think he was at the time and, and very active. And uh, so we're, he's like, let's not run. Let's just go for a walk. And, and two minutes later, he's like, oh my God, like I'm feeling dizzy. So we sit down at a park bench and, uh, and he, he says, oh yeah, I don't know what was going on. I'm okay now. Let's not run. Let's just walk. And I said, you want to just go for dinner? No, no, I'm okay. Uh, He he takes five steps and he falls down and he rolls down this hill and he flatlines, like he stops breathing um, right, right in front of me. And, uh, and I, I rolled him over and, and gave him called 911 and gave him CPR for three three and a half minutes till the till the first responders got there. Then they intubated him and brought him back to life. And and so uh you know thankfully he's healthy now and, and everything turned out okay. And and but you know it it really struck me it, like it really hit me. I was right there and 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 you don't get an hour or, or a day or even a minute. When it's when when you when you stop, when your life ends it ends and it's it's immediate. And so I had also a, a mentor of mine, guy who got me into the trade and, and a family friend. He was in his 60s. He passed away three weeks later and he was 62 years old. And then and then another guy that I'd worked for was 69. And they actually were friends, both of them named Brian. Um, he passed away as well. 69. These guys were super successful financially, had run their own businesses, were still working. Um, the Brian who was 62, he had just retired in January and he passed away in March. And I was at, I was at his as funeral and his his brother in law is a good friend of mine and also was a, a mentor to me in my career, um, spoke stood up and spoke at, at both at both of those funerals, but he spoke at Brian's uh his brother-in-law and he said, he said, you know, we were always going to do all these things together. We were going to go to different hockey arenas, NHL games, and we were going to go golfing at these courses in North America. And he said we were always going to do something someday. And uh and he said at the very end he closed with I encourage you all to please change your Sunday to today and the next day that that morning like that was a Saturday and Sunday morning I woke up and I wrote a poem called Someday to Today and and I shared it this is before I did the book and I shared it with a few people internally at SharePoint because I was like you just never like it's just hard to imagine one day you're just not here and you can't do those things and so we did a Sunday to Today challenge in SharePoint and and we and we it was a remarkable thing like you know some someone who was going to buy a house and they had the money too but they're afraid to and they went and bought a house and you know some people were like hey I haven't talked to my sister in five years and I've been wanting to you know I want to fix that and mine was mine was go fishing with my dad and then Martin and I, um, the the fellow who, who I, I helped there when he when he flatlined uh, he him and i decided we were going to go and climb kilimanjaro together as soon as he had a clear bill of health so we made that our someday to today so we went and did that uh, but we we like we had people who were like i'm gonna go uh you know kayak fishing with my dad i've always promised them i would and one lady in her in her company said you know trev i've got a sister i've never met but i know where she is and then she's in her late 50s and and been single for years raised her kids and And she's like, but I'm afraid to reach out to her. So we had a conversation and she ended up reaching out to her and and they very similar lives. They're both single. Um, She lived in Calgary and and, uh, the lady that worked for us lived up here in Edmonton. She ended up moving to Calgary to be with her sister. Um, And, you know, that was from this someday to today challenge. And so we're actually rolling it out again, only in a way, you know, in a a way bigger way. And we're gonna challenge um, companies to To encourage our people to do someday to today, we we did draws for each branch, hundred bucks, and then we did one, $1, $1 fifteen hundred dollar draw to help make somebody's someday to today. And we're doing that. We're running it quarterly for the whole year. We're going to do two hundred dollars per branch, and then we'll do one major draw a year. And so we're uh, we're encouraging people to do that. And if we have just a moment, I'd like to read the poem. If, if you're okay. Oh
1: my gosh! Yes, you're inspiring me so much right now. My creative juices
0: are just flowing. <laughs> so, so we call it uh, we call it change your someday to today, but we call it someday to today now. That's what it's just been branded. So that's the name of the poem, and so I'll I'll read it here quickly to you. Um, someday I'll climb a mountain. Someday I'll ride a horse. Someday I'll take that lesson or I'll finish off that course. <clears throat> someday I'll learn to fly a plane. Someday I'll ride my bike. Someday I'll sleep beneath the stars and go on that long hike. Someday I'll run that marathon. Someday I'll learn to cook. Someday I'm going to lose some weight and read my favorite book. Someday I'm going to work less and someday I'll take a trip. Someday I'll spend more time with friends and I'll sail on a ship. Someday I'll show more empathy to everyone I meet. Someday I'll show more kindness to a stranger on the street. Someday I'll volunteer my time, give more to those in need. Someday I'll grow a garden and I'll hand plant every seed. Someday I'll be more patient with my child and my wife. Someday I'll cherish moments as they happen in my life. Someday I'll act more childlike. Someday I'll laugh much more. Someday I'm going to love like I have never loved before. Someday I'll play more with my kids, spend more time with my wife. Someday I'll find more balance in my very crazy life. Someday I'm going to do the things I've never done before. Someday I'm going to take some risks, walk through an unknown door. Someday, I'm going to let all my emotions run awry. Someday, I will allow myself to just be sad and cry. Someday, I will be happier. I'll feel more inside. Someday, I'll watch a full moon as it shifts the ocean's tide. Someday, I'm going to worry less and focus less on wealth. Someday, I'm going to have more fun and focus more on health. Someday, I'll tell my parents what they truly mean to me. Someday, I'll be the person that I truly want to be. Someday, I'll tell my siblings that I love them very much. Someday, I'll hug my family more and treasure every touch. Someday, I'll watch the sunrise and I'll watch as the sun sets. Someday, I'll forgive others and let go of my regrets. Someday, I'll be more present. I'll be more aware each day. Someday, I'll gain more faith and I'll take more time to pray. Someday, I'll have no some days left as someday I will die. So change your some days to today before they all pass by. That's it.
1: (laughs) Well, that certainly touched my heart over here. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So what is your someday to, to, to today?
0: So my so my new someday to today, I I uh I have skipped out two years in a row um in in spite of the fact that I know better. Uh I I so I'd started going fishing to the coast every year with my dad. And uh and the last years I have I have cancelled out because some things came up at work and I was always going to do it later and so this year as soon as we can and then the pandemic hit and then it couldn't right and my dad's in his 70s and and I'm like as soon as we can um I'm going there with him and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come up with an excuse not to and and so I need the same kind of reminders the life is short in this pandemic and the reason we're really rolling it out now is the pandemic caught everyone off guard like and and all of a sudden you can't go for dinner with with people with friends and and family you can't you can't see your kids you you know at, at different times in the lockdown and i was like this is the time more than ever we need to take this thing we need to blow it up in surepoint and we need to get it out into the world and encourage people it doesn't have to be grand you know my um, at, at christmas time I, I or at easter pardon me i I said I'm going to talk to everybody in my family on Easter Day. Like I'm going to call all of them. And I'm going to my nephews, nieces, my sisters and sister-in-law, and and all of my family. I'm going to reach out to them all and uh, and connect with them in some way, just so they know I love them, right? And, and so it doesn't have to be climb Kilimanjaro or jump out of an airplane. It can be as soon as I can. My Sunday is I'm going to go and hug my mom. Like, mm. be able to, forever. I'm going to go see my grandma. Like, so yeah,
1: so, so, yeah
0: yeah, that's, so that's, that's what we're doing. So I, sorry, I kind of took us down a different path. there.
1: No, I'm so grateful that you did. As a matter of fact, I think that the listeners are going to be so inspired by that. I just can't thank you enough for sharing that. I didn't even know it was going there and it was perfect. Now, my three closing questions, what does leadership mean to you?
0: Um, whoa, that's a, that's a good one. But I, I, I think uh, leadership to me is uh, it it's, a privilege and an opportunity to, to be a leader in any form. And, and it gives, gives me an opportunity or somebody's a leader opportunity to have an impact on people's lives. And so we have an opportunity to have a positive impact or a negative impact on people's lives. And I think that leadership really uh, needs to more leaders and leadership needs to be more about what, what is, who is the real you and, and come from your heart. And I, I think we need to move away from the textbook uh, definition of leadership where you have to be the smartest person in the room or, or not be able to show that you don't know something or that you have fears and anxieties. So I'm not sure I answered your question, but- You
1: did, you answered it perfectly. And actually this podcast is, the tagline is a real leadership podcast. And I feel like that's what you just actually described. Now, if there was a book that you've uh, read you know that really made an impact on you that you'd want to recommend to other people what would it be
0: oh lord um that one's going to be really tough for me i don't do a lot of uh i don't do a lot of reading actually i i i skim i skim through books somebody that i that i just admire the hell out of um and and have never read a book front front to back but have certainly taken a lot of different pages and clips and quotes from uh is bernie brown and uh i think i shared with you probably one of my favorite uh quotes um in the email that i sent you uh, yes yeah and i i read that and that was actually the first thing i ever read that i had ever seen that she had she had ever printed and i immediately fell in love with her i was like oh my god she just said everything i that that i feel so um if i you know rather than a book i would say She's somebody that I, I admire.
1: Beautiful. Okay. And the final, final closing question, this one might be a little hard for you um, because I'm going to ask you just for one piece of advice. So based on all of the highs and all of the lows and everything that you've been through in your life, if you could just leave the world with one piece of advice, what would Julie want to leave them with?
0: Don't be afraid to be you.
1: Well, that wasn't hard at all. (laughs) Beautiful
0: it's it's uh i think the world is i think as human beings are full of fear uh and we wear so many masks and throughout the day and the older we get the more masks we wear at least at least speaking from my own experience that's what i was doing until one day i wasn't even sure which mask was the real me anymore and uh and it just became tiresome and now i just try to be who i am in in everything i do to the best of my ability and, and try not to be you know and sometimes i get caught where i feel like i need to be You know, I need to be somebody different because I'm going into an environment with people and I I want to, I want to be who I think they want me to be. Um, So for me, it's just be you. Uh, And, and that takes, that takes a lot of effort.
1: That's just so great. A lot of effort and a lot of courage to do that. So thank you for leading us today. I am truly inspired by you and this conversation I know for sure is going to impact everyone who listens to it. So thank you for being here.
0: Well, th- thank you. And I, I, I've done these, but not to that. I've never opened up that much. And I, I do, uh Curtis, I, I appreciate you. I, I've connected with you. I, uh, I've loved our conversations, and the fact that you invited me on to, to this uh, makes me makes me feel really good. And and uh, it's humbling, and and I appreciate you. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Right back. Take care. Yeah, you too. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.